Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We move into the final hour of trading on this Fed Wednesday. We have got the S&P 500 index. Little change right now, up by about half a point. The Dow holding on to a gain of 73 points at 21,687. Uh, that is a gain of about three-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ is up four, a gain there of one-tenth of one percent. Federal Reserve officials say they will begin running off their $4.5 trillion balance sheet, quote, relatively soon. They also left their benchmark policy rate unchanged as they assess progress toward their inflation goal. Facebook will be reporting after the closing bell. Brian Weiser is a senior research analyst at Pivotal Research Group. He's got a hold recommendation on the stock, and he says he's also got a number of concerns about Facebook. You have all these risks that I don't think investors are mindful of regulation from the EC, from yeah. GDPR, which is going to be something that uh, will hit us like Y2K starting in May of next year. Um, that's a major data protection privacy issue that's going to have global impact. Um, the fact that uh, Procter & Gamble or other large marketers are still very unhappy with Facebook with respect to how they're allowing third-party data sources uh, uh, data tools to be used on Facebook. Um, a, a lot of negative things that I think just are being ignored right now. And Facebook shares they're up by less than one-tenth of one percent. Among the companies out with earnings today, Boeing, numbers coming in better than expected. Boeing surging 9.2 percent. And Ford's new CEO surprised Wall Street with better-than-expected earnings, despite familiar challenges of a slow American auto market and an aging model lineup. Ford shares are down now by 2.1%. So again, recapping here, we've got the S&P up now by half a point. Gold up 8.90 the ounce, up 7 tenths of 1%. Crude at 48.77 a barrel, up 1.8%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie. Thank you so much. Charlie Pellet with a Bloomberg Business News Flash. And you are listening to Bloomberg. Radio. New sensation? Why not? Dave Wilson's got a chart of the day. His new chart of the day. These aren't new sensations. They're old sensations. Well, it depends on your time frame. <laughs> okay. I mean, let's face it. I met you. Know, I met, new- I met you. When, when you talk about, oh, 137 years or so, New is a relative term, and I bring that up in the context of today's chart. Uh, Jim Paulson, who's the chief investment strategist over at Luthal Group, was looking at the cyclically adjusted price earnings index for the S&P 500. It's better known as the CAPE. It's something that uh, was developed, at least in part, by Yale University's Robert Schiller. And it looks at the S&P 500's value relative to inflation-adjusted average earnings over 10 years. So Paulson, kind of running through the numbers, sees that if you go back to the beginning of the 1990s, it looks like the range for this indicator has moved up. So, you know, it's sort of raising the issue of whether indeed we are in a new valuation range. And he comes up with five arguments that basically suggest the answer is yes. One is that the U.S. economy has become less cyclical over time in terms of the makeup of its businesses, that we've seen more stability when it comes to inflation, that the stock market has kind of shifted more in favor of growth companies as opposed to those uh, which you buy for the value of their assets, so value stocks. 
Stock ownership has broadened out in terms of a wider range of investors, and index funds have become more popular. So, you know, you buy companies that are in the index, not necessarily because they're cheap on whatever measure that you care to use. So, and I will say that, you know, when I sent out this chart to the folks on my email list, it's like, this time is different, came back more than well, once as a response. I was Here's just the- going to jump on you and say, wait, Dave, right. you're telling me this time is different. Well, I mean, he's not a hundred percent convinced that it is. Really, this uh, report has come more like a thought experiment than anything else. You know, the idea that if indeed we are in a new valuation range, then that is a distinct possibility. Why would that be justified? And so those five arguments that I just laid out, those are the things he falls back on to try and make sense out of what he's seeing in valuations that perhaps things are a bit different now than they have been over that uh, 137-year period. Anyway, if you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. This is when I wish I could really pull out my crystal ball and look uh, like 10 years ahead. Uh, let's bring in Carl Riccadon, our chief U.S. economist. He's got his own crystal ball. Bloomberg Intelligence, Crystal Ball, if you will, our in-house group of analysts. Um, we'll, call, we'll call them. We can call the, our, our BI team the Crystal Ballers. Our soothsayer. They are, you know, what? on it. <laughs> yeah. No, Carl. Carl Riccadonna. So, should we talk about the Fed meeting, or is it kind of a ho hummer? Well, we can talk about it was a ho hummer uh, to be sure. Uh, but uh, you know, as we uh, you know, Fed uh, watchers do, uh, we we parse the uh, language uh, pretty closely, and uh, really, the only material change in the statement. Uh, there were two. Uh, so, one, they talked about the balance sheet uh, unwind process. Uh, previously, the time frame was this year. Uh, now it is uh, relatively soon, so that's kind of narrowing the window. I would say to probably the announcement coming in September. Could uh, could, could next next meeting it go back to this year? They could certainly backtrack right? if uh, you know. And, and so that's the real key question here, right? Because they want the balance sheet to be on a glide path that will not be uh, disturbed by uh, fluctuations in the uh, economy. So they want to divorce uh, the balance sheet from the Fed funds rate. Uh, in terms of uh, the Fed's reaction function, and they just want to pull the ripcord on the balance sheet, uh, let it go. set it, and forget it, uh, and uh, use the Fed funds rate uh, to uh, tinker. Why is that so important? Uh, that's important because this is an untested uh, policy. Uh, they've never had to uh, unwind the balance sheet, and and arguably no major central bank has done this in scale ever, uh, so they don't know what the market reaction will be. And so that's why you want this to be this uh, a passive process operating in the background. If the economy does materially weaken, uh, they could have to uh, adapt that, and they, they really want to avoid that uh, as much as uh, possible. Uh, but that could mean that they have to delay the start as well. So we'll see what happens in the interim. If you see inflation slide even further off of the target, mind you, headlines 50 bips lower than where it was at the start of the year, yeah. or inflation 40 bips lower. If that continues to worsen, then yeah. everyone's saying, oh, it's a done deal September. Uh, that may not actually be the case. Well, and, and so let's talk about that. I mean, we had Lindsay Peggs on earlier from Stiefel Financial, and she was she went with their, their heads in the sand, that they're not seeing what's going on with inflation, and, and they seem hell-bent on this course of action despite the data that doesn't support it. 
Absolutely. So they're very, uh, to use your words, uh, hell-bent on this process because they want uh, this to the wheels to be in motion before Janet Yellen's term is up uh, on February 3rd. And so there's a non-economic motivation. And any time an uh, economically driven Fed has non-economic motivation, uh, that should uh, start to raise some uh, potential uh, alarm bells uh, about that. That being said, the economy looks to be okay, so they probably yeah. can get away with this. But uh, they are kind of uh, pushing the issue uh, ever so slightly. The other subtle change in the statement was the uh, – Acknowledgement of a somewhat uh, deeper miss uh, on the inflation front. And so uh, the Fed uh, maybe doesn't have their head in the sand, so to speak. They do uh, t- uh, appear to be coming around to the notion that it's not just a couple of idiosyncratic factors uh, that are pushing inflation lower. Rather, uh, yes, it's the cell phone contracts and drug prices, uh, those idiosyncratic issues. Uh, but also there seems to be a more pervasive problem. What is still your outlook for the Fed for the rest of the year? I still think that if we get a rebound in the inflation numbers, uh, they could get one more rate increase uh, in before year end. But uh, absolutely, you have to see uh, uh, the inflation numbers uh, move higher uh, in the uh, in the next couple of months. We shall, we shall see indeed. Hey, I want to pass on a tweet, too, just on the, in the business sense here of, mm-hmm. with the political news where I was looking for sort of where those things are interacting and uh, – uh, the CEO of the largest company in the world, uh, Apple, mm-hmm. Tim Cook, out just said it, tweeted out, "We are indebted to all who serve. Discrimination against anyone holds everyone back." Hashtag Let them serve. So, uh, Apple and Silicon Valley and Tim Cook sort of speaking out against what the president uh, was tweeting about this morning and trying yep. to change uh, military policy. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. People reacting. Hey, Dave Wilson, thank you so much. Stocks editor at Bloomberg News. Carl Riccadonna, our chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg Intelligence, our in-house group of analysts. Coming up in just a moment, a check on your top business stories and a look at the trading session. This is Bloomberg. Get some world and national news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Nathan Hager in our 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. Yeah, Corey, interesting to get the Silicon Valley reaction to President Trump's announcement about uh, reinstating the transgender ban in the military. Of course, it has sparked a fierce reaction on Capitol Hill. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. It is a cruel and arbitrary decision designed to humiliate transgender Americans. But for Republican Vicki Hartzler, who sponsored a failed bill that would have kept the Pentagon from paying for transgender surgeries. I think it's very consistent with his campaign promises of making sure that we rebuild our military uh, to meet the threats facing us in this world. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says the president's decision was difficult. She says he sees transgender service as too expensive. The health care debate continues in the Senate. Number two Republican John Cornyn says leaders are exploring a so-called skinny repeal that would get rid of the Obamacare insurance mandate. House Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows says that has zero chance of passing on his side of the Capitol. We support the concepts in there, but it just it's not a repeal. It's not even close to repeal. So we see it as a vehicle to hopefully continue the negotiations. And I applaud the Senate for at least being willing to stay in there and try to negotiate and find some common ground. Meadows spoke there on Bloomberg Television. The Transportation Security Administration's tightening security on electronics at the airport. Now, if you got anything larger than a cell phone, you'll have to take that out of your carry-on and get it x-rayed separately. Travelers are already used to taking out laptops. Now that rule applies to tablets and e-readers. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. This is Bloomberg.